All right, good afternoon. <clears throat> we are excited to get to talk about Uganda here this afternoon. So this is what we've been, really been looking forward to. Getting to update you all on really specific people, really specific individuals, situations, prayer requests, some names that you'll recognize that you've, I'm sure you've already been praying for and others maybe not, that, that, they have, that you have not heard about yet. So let me first take just a minute and kind of give high level. There may be some here that are... Um, newer than when we were here last time. So we're, we are in the northwest corner of Uganda, Africa. Uganda is the east side of Africa, east Africa, and we're in the north, the north left corner, uh, northwest corner. Uh, historically, Uganda has been open to missionaries, especially in the lower half of the country, but um, the top half of the country has been a pretty dangerous place, to, for, especially for a foreigner to enter. There's been guerrilla groups, if you know of the name Joseph Kony. He was a really, really evil leader that made it really dangerous to go. Uh, even 10 years ago, uh, it was really questionable as to how, how safe that would be. Today, that's not the case. Today, it's really improved. Um, Uganda has invited China to come and build a highway across the country that we drive on when we go, when we go home, when we go up to the north. And it's, it's, it's much more safe uh, to get there. That's created an opportunity for the gospel. Our people group is the Lugbara people group. There's two million of them. So it's not really a huge people group, but it's one that's really needy today and a real open door for the gospel. One and a half million of them live in Uganda, and the other half million live just over the line in the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, we're not allowed to enter the DRC. Uh, maybe someday we'll find a way to gain legal access to enter there. But right now, there's 1.5 million of them in Uganda. And that's where we've placed ourselves. Um, we've been there for two years. Um, so I tell people we know enough to be dangerous now about life and, and uh, the culture and things. We sought to make it our goal to be learners of the, of, of the people group, to enter as learners, to present ourselves um, like in a humble way of asking questions, uh, asking questions about the language, and when we're speaking in their language, then they're the knowledgeable ones and we're the people struggling in our second language. Uh, so that's good because then we're the ones learning and they're teaching us all sorts of things about their lives. Uh, as time goes on, we'll transition from that. And I've, we told people many times, we've come here to first learn about your culture and your language, and second, help people understand the Bible or Bible teachers is how we like to present ourselves and, and introduce ourselves to people. So it's been a joy. Um, it hasn't been without difficulties, but it has truly been a joy. We love being there and are really thankful for your church and your supportiveness of us. All right, so Lindsay has a mic there. So we're going to talk through, oh, hey, uh, Christopher, you want to pass those things out? This is a very simple punch list of individuals in Uganda. Each one of these are people that um, the Lord has, has opened doors to. So since our focus has been language learning, um, almost all, maybe every single person on this list, uh, was a relationship that began in the context of just learning the language. So we've learned language learning by being among people, just interacting with people, and that's how these relationships were started. Okay, so our first guy <clears throat> here on this list is a guy that I really love. I wonder if we turn those lights off, would that help the... I don't know how great these pictures are going to be. That might help, possibly. 
Okay, so you'll see on that little list, I thought maybe if you want to take notes or, or whatever you want to do with that, we'll, we'll be fine. This is Swan Beak Sunday. So we got to Uganda in the middle of 2019. We were there for six months, and then we started hearing about this sickness called COVID. And after a couple more months, the country locked down. And it made it really difficult for people. Anyone that had a job just wasn't able to work their job because they locked, they restricted all movement. You were not allowed to drive your car. So it was, it was kind of difficult, for sure. This would have been spring of, of 2020, right? Right when you all were having the same challenges here. And Swan Deke Sunday was, is a shoe seller. He sells shoes, he buys them, imported into Uganda and sells them in the market. Well, all the um, markets for selling, as they call them, all the markets for selling were shut down. He came home and was sitting at home and tried to just sell shoes on this front porch. Well, his home was right across the street from our house. So lockdown came, I went across the street and said, hey, I haven't seen you around. He said, well, it's because I'm in the market 12 hours a day, seven days a week selling shoes, and now I'm home. And come to find out he's a teacher. And I said, hey, I really need a teacher. Maybe you can help me learn the language. And he's been easily top five language helpers of anyone. Swandik Sunday. Here we are, and um, lives immediately next door to us. His wife is named Susan. She's good friends with Lindsay. We were working on language together. He said, I'm a lifetime Anglican. There's a good, there's like, our people group is like 25% Anglican by name. They call themselves Pros, Protestant is what they call themselves. It's really sort of something they subscribe to that doesn't always mean a whole lot. But anyway, so he said, I'm a lifetime Anglican. I've been Anglican my whole life. I was baptized, confirmed to the Anglican church. And um, he said, but I tell you, um, long story short, I didn't mean to make this story short, but uh, his wife was sitting there. She had this gash on her uh, face. Remember that? And it was like really noticeable. And at first I kind of ignored it. And then I said, hey, what happened? You know, it looks, looks bad. And she said, oh, yeah, there's a orindion ziria And I was like, what? There's an evil spirit in the water that got me. And I said, so tell me about this. And he said, yeah, we were going down in the valley to get water. Spirits live in the water. Everyone believes spirits live in the water. And um, she was getting water, and all of a sudden, psh, just passed out because of, the, because of the evil spirit. This is what they said. I don't really necessarily know what to do with that. <laughs> but, so that's what she said. And uh, Sunday tells me, he says, yeah, it's really bad. We need to really pray hard, you know, because that's our water source. We need to pray hard. So I said, man, um, you know, you've been in church your whole life. If you were to die today, where do you expect to go? And he's like, ah, I don't know. I'm, I'm really worried about it. So I said, well, let's do a Bible study. So we did a Bible study together. And in the course of language learning, did this six-week Bible study. I need to not go on and on about this, but he accepted Christ. Sunday accepted Christ. It was a joy. It was exciting to see. It was one of the most special um, situations I've seen in, in my life, honestly. And uh, that's really been a joy to see. And uh, if you would pray for him, that... Um, I have prayer requests written here. Pray that I'll follow after Christ, lead the tr traditions of religion. Right, so they've always been religious... <laughs> they are contemplating infant baptism and are struggling to understand the Anglican and Catholic churches in Uganda. Okay, so shortly after he was saved, that's him on the left Sunday, 
and he went back to the market once COVID reopened, once COVID, the lockdown stopped, once the market reopened, he went back and found this Muslim guy who's in the middle, and he said, hey, I'd like to do a Bible study with this, the same Bible study we did, I'd like to do it with this Muslim guy, and I'd like you to help me. So I said, yeah, that's awesome, let's do it. So I went and joined him for like two Bible studies, and then said, take it from there. And he did, and it was a good Bible study. That young man in the middle did not accept Christ yet, but he might. And I was encouraged to see Sunday actively wanting to share his faith. He's really in love with the Lord at that point in time, and is to this day. So here's a picture of um, just three weeks ago. Um, they had twin baby girls. So we went and helped them and picked them up at the hospital. That was pretty fun. And when we were sitting, sitting in their home, uh, they fed us termites, so that was something. They're not bad, but uh, <laughs> with enough salt. So I shouldn't even mention that. That's off topic. But anyway, so we were sitting in their home eating with them, and, and he said, yeah, um, we need to take the girls, the twin girls, to, to get baptized. And I was like, really, why? And he said, well, it's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> was his reaction. And I was like, yeah, let's talk about that. And we already had a while ago talked about baptism. And he's like, yeah, it was kind of like it dawned on him right as it came out of his mouth. Like, oh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. You know, he said, he said, right, because you, you know, get baptized after you've accepted Christ. So um, pray for him that he would just really depart from that um, traditionalism, the religious tradition that he came from, and follow after Christ. So that's one week Sunday. Why don't I just go through all these, and then we'll do questions after. That might be the best, the best way to go about this. So that's his wife, Susan. Um, oh, here's one more picture of them. This is Abby with her best Ugandan friend. Abby, you see? Who is it? Her name is Blessing. That's Sunday's, Swanwick Sunday's daughter. Abby calls her blah, blah. So anyway, they're buddies. They play in the dirt like crazy. Okay, so that's Swanwick Sunday. Here's the next person. <clears throat> Excuse me, David and Nestor and family. David is the one we mentioned this morning who um, had the situation with the baptism certificate. So, um, Lindsay, why don't you talk about how we met Nestor? Since she was really the reason why we got connected with these people. We were on a walk one afternoon, and we were down behind our house in a valley, and she was there collecting water with some of her friends, and we saw, we saw that she had a baby on her back, and so we asked, oh, what's the baby's name? And she's like, well, she didn't tell us, they never tell us the Luke Bar name, they try to tell us the English name, but the baby didn't have an English name yet, so she's like, you, you give, you give the baby a name, and I was like, um, I like, we just met this lady, so anyway, um, later, she, t well, she told us at that conversation, she's like, why don't you come to our house, meet, meet our family? So later that week, we were just walking in our village, meeting more people, and we actually just happened to, to come on her house. We're like, oh, this is your house. So that was how we met, that was how we met Nestor and David's family. <clears throat> yeah, so we met, her in, we met her in the valley, and she was talking like nonstop. And we were really new to the language, so we were catching like 10% or something, you know. And I was like, wow, we need to learn the language from her. Like, she will always just talk and talk and talk, and we can listen, and that's best for language learning. So we went to their house. <clears throat> then we met David. Here's David. 
they have a massive, massive mango tree, so we'd sit under their mango tree eating mangoes. And he, um, he uh, had that conversation with me about the baptism certificate. And at that point in time, um, I was like, wow, we cannot just make this a language learning relationship. So I said, hey, let's do a Bible study. So he said, yeah, let's do it. So he's the only one in his home. And you'll see David there. Here's a bunch of the family. It's like an extended family, a big circle of grassroots huts where they all live together. Um, he's the only one in his family that speaks English. So pretty good English. Like if, you know, one of you came, you could certainly communicate with David. He, he, he did a quite a bit of schooling coming up. That's why I knew English. No one else can. Like, isn't that true? No one else there can really. None of the ladies. Even his brother, like zero English, who's also full grown. So anyway, so we did an English Bible study with David. David accepted Christ. It was also a joy to see. It was really encouraging to see him um, understand the fault of the religious system he came from. Um, his father had recently died. Here's another thing. I'm trying to make this quick. But his father had recently died, and um, somehow we were talking about eternity, and I said, I said something like, you know, I wonder. I, 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 don't, I didn't know your father. I don't know if he had put his faith in Christ. And he said, well, here's how it happened we were buying the heaven tickets for years, every year, like annual tickets that you pay to the Catholic Church to secure your place in heaven. So we were buying them every year for every member of the family, but then money got tight, so we got behind on the heaven tickets. And then my father was on his deathbed, and he was an older man, of course, he was on his deathbed, and we were like, ah, we've got to get paid up. So we, we got the money that we needed to, took it to the priest and paid for those heaven tickets. And then um, he said, then when my father died, he was singing. So he's in heaven. And it was just like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of deception. <clears throat> so we did a Bible study. By the time we were done, he said, we've got to stop doing this. This is wrong. This is not what the Bible teaches. So it was encouraging to see. It was exciting to see. If you pray for him, really the prayer request for him it's super similar to Sunday. Um, he needs to be really bold now in saying, look, let's follow Christ, let's follow the Bible and not um, subscribe to these religious systems that are so, so culturally ingrained here. Um, pray for the salvation of many, the many souls in his home. <clears throat> uh, we, that Bible study that we did together is like a, a series, evangelistic Bible study series that we work together with our co-workers in writing. We now have it translated, so that's exciting. That's kind of a new thing. We have it translated, and just before we left a couple weeks ago, um, we had the plan to, me and David, lead the Luke Barra Bible study with the rest of the family. We didn't, we didn't make it happen, so hopefully soon hereafter, when we get back, <coughs> we can do that Bible study. Okay. <laughs> so, Alyssa and family. Liz, you want to talk about them? So, these are the ones that gave Titus his Luke Bar name. They have really adopted us as their... They, we were invited to a wedding probably six months after we were there, and they asked us to sit in the family section because they said that Joe was now his son. So, they're our next-door neighbors. They live right behind us. Literally, we walk out of our gate, and there's always somebody there. Alyssa is in his 60s probably, 
He has um, two wives, ten children, and most of the children are still in the in the area, like in the same uh, unit of huts. Home, yeah. yeah, in the same home. So they all live in the same area. So there's always tons of kids to play with, and he has a lot of daughters, and most of them don't know Luke Barra. Some of them, I mean, sorry, don't know English, and uh, some of them can speak just a little bit. But they have been one of our biggest um, language helpers. And we've, we've just sat with them for literally days and learned things from them, learned a lot of culture. They're the type that, you know, if there's a question that, you know, if we just ask anybody on the street, it could be offensive. Like, this, this particular thing about your culture, what do you do? Well, they're the people that we can ask. They've taught us so much about the culture, and they are... Catholic. They're very faithful to the Catholic Church. All of them, um, bright and early Sunday morning, they're at the 7 a.m. Mass. So we're praying for, for salvation for them, and there's definitely an open door and a huge relationship mm -hmm. opportunity. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So Elissa is, this, this man that Lindsay's talking about, is like a textbook person of peace. He's, he's, he's the biggest man, as they say there. He's the biggest man in our, our local area. So because of Alyssa, we sat right in the family section of this wedding with 2,000 people. Because of Alyssa, um, I sat next to him in the middle of a, um, <laughs> a, a daughter dowry negotiation like function, right? Um, because of Alyssa, we went to the middle of a cultural function where they were paying off the um, I don't know how to say it in English. How they were basically, um, what's that, what was that thing called? Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Basically, they were negotiating how to relieve the curse that they had placed on another tribe. So he's like the head of all this stuff, like deeply ingrained in cultural things, but also like seriously Catholic at the same time. So he is not saved. He has not turned to Christ. So if we pray for his salvation. Um, He's only going to be saved by the power of the Holy Spirit. I know that's true of any any human being, <laughs> but him him he is he is someone who you look at and think, wow, um, God's going to have to work on his heart because he's so committed and has been his whole life. So this man, I think it's fair to say, number one language helper. He has helped us so much. Um, never paid him a dime. He wouldn't accept that, but he's like considers himself our Ugandan father. <laughs> so anyway. One time we had um, uh, some drunk guys, some, uh, yeah, they were drunk in the middle of the night, and they tried to climb our wall to break into our house, and Alyssa was on it, and he was outside the wall, and basically scared them off. And I was like, hey, so what would have happened if they got in? Like, what would you do? And he's like, oh, we would kill them. And I was like, oh. I was like, no, do not. That's not okay. <laughs> but he's like, no, we want you to feel safe here in our village. So it's a big deal to us. I was like, okay, maybe jail time, you know, but anyway. So he looks out for us and um, we spend a lot of time with their family. Um, he's, he's married something like five times, um, has many, many children. Here's Joseph with the kids. He, he loves uh, being with those kids. So take a coloring book out and rip every page out, handing them to kids till the coloring book is gone. And so that works out well. So if you pray for Alyssa, pray for his family and um, his salvation. That's really the, what else is there to pray for with that, I suppose. So, okay.
Now here's a completely different type of prayer request. This is a good friend of mine named Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie's a strong believer. His father um, trusted Christ and taught his boys the gospel. Super rare Luke Barra guy here. Super rare. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of another family like this family. But we got connected with them. Our, our co-workers, the Prettyman family, has also been connected with Ronnie. He went to the other side of Uganda, studied at a Southern Baptist seminary, um, so certainly knows the gospel and the Bible. Um, desires to really desires to serve the Lord. I can't tell you enough how important it is to have good local national partners and seeing churches planted and the gospel advanced. And I thought of Ronnie and thought, let's put him in this list because um, the temptation in their lives is just overwhelming. So if we could pray for this young man, he's must be something like my age. He's a younger guy. Um, so yeah, certainly a rare find among the Lubar people. Pray we could work together as a team and reach new villages. Pray for his marriage. Among the stronger Christians that are in the Lugbar land, um, they really struggle in their homes. Like, you know, a pretty clear qualification of a, of a bishop is to rule his own home well. And that's sadly the difficulty many times. His wife, um, just, when was, when was that, that happened with his wife? Sometime last year? Sometime last year he came and said, ah, oh, pray for me, my wife left me because the in-laws came and demanded a cow. I didn't have a cow, so they're using her as leverage to get another cow. And I was like, ah, oh, man, she needs to stay with you, you know? She's, you guys got married. So she was pregnant, and he was trying to save up money for a cow, and then um, the in-laws said, ah, oh, she's going to have this baby. We don't want to pay the hospital bill. Send her back to him, you know, so the hospital bill's on him. I was like, whatever, you know? So that's kind of a frustrating, honestly kind of a frustrating part of what happens there. You want to say, ah, just get married and stay with each other, you know, have some commitment to each other. Um, but they're young Christians. I mean, his wife is a professing believer, but she needs to, you know, um, follow the, the Bible way of staying with her, with her husband. So hopefully there's no one out there wanting to get a cow out of their son-in-law right now after that. But... So pray for Ronnie. Okay, Pastor Phineas, my dad slipped into this picture. I couldn't find a picture without my dad in it. So anyway, my dad's not very tall, but in this picture he is. You can see Pastor Phineas there. He's another situation like Ronnie, someone that we really want to be able to partner with in, in the ministry there in Uganda. He's a special guy. Uh, his testimony is really unique. He, he was led to the Lord by Methodist missionaries. He believes that he did understand the gospel at that point in time, was a Methodist pastor for a long time. I know where that Methodist church is. It's closed now. But um, finally realized that, you know, why are we sprinkling babies? I don't think I can be a Methodist anymore. Um, so he left the Methodist church, found Southern Baptists, again, that group of Southern Baptists on the other side of Uganda, did some training, eventually realized that, you know, I really should just be a Baptist that's not a Southern Baptist. I'll just be an independent Baptist. Okay, so he planted a little church, and we've gotten connected with him. He's a strong leader, a, a, a very unique Lugbara leader, and um, someone that we hope to be partnered with for a long time. If you pray for him, um, 
equipping and partnering is so much better than starting from scratch. So, he has how many daughters? Five. And then just like a month ago, his 13-year-old daughter just died. It's really suddenly, it was super sad. Her, her stomach swelled up and she died. So um, that was really discouraging. We tried to encourage him so much and I didn't want him to uh, fall out of the ministry or anything. So he seems to be doing okay. But if you pray for Pastor Phineas. His church is right on, he's actually in the Congo. So we drive to the border and then we can walk into the Congo like half a kilometer or something, not very far. So, yeah, we can walk that far. We wouldn't want to walk further than that <laughs> because we're not legally allowed to. This is his church. We try to visit him sometimes, maybe once every couple months, just to maintain that relationship, encourage him as much as we can. But he really does have an indigenous church, so we don't want to throw a wrench in that at all. It's Abby with all his, well, yeah, those church kids. Here we got together with them, and I, I, I brought them a, um, a, audio, a Lubar audio Bible on a little speaker, a solar speaker. So he was really excited about that. He's using that during the week with listening groups. Okay, Joffrey and Nancy. We'll just keep moving right along here. Afterward, we can do questions. Um, Joffrey is part of Faith in Jesus Baptist Church. That's a little church. It's a grass, or uh, papyrus walls, little metal roof church building that our co-workers, the Prettyman family, were involved in starting a church congregation of something like a solid, maybe 20, probably 20 people. And they don't have a pastor right now, but Joffrey is the leader. It's fair to say. He just kind of evolved into the leader. I love Joffrey. He's my buddy. So he's, he's, he's a pretty sharp, sharp guy. Loves the Lord. And uh, his testimony is such that, you know, it's similar to Pastor Phineas, as I won't go into it, some missionaries in, that are no longer there got to lead him to the Lord. Um, would you pray for Joffrey? Pray that he would become the pastor. I'm gonna just going to throw that out there. I don't know what God's, who God calls to be pastors in Uganda, right? I don't know that. But I feel like we can at least pray that he would be because Uganda needs pastors. Uganda needs leaders. The church doesn't have one. He's a young man that loves the Lord. So we're praying that would happen. But I should more specifically say, just pray that he would follow after God and be faithful to this church so the church would stand. So just leave that at that. I mentioned the thing about Ronnie and how their homes are so um, often a weakness in their lives, and that's true of Joffrey. Um, you want to talk about Nancy? So Nancy does not come to ch the church with him. She's very committed to the Anglican church. Her family is very long-term Anglicans, and that really holds her back. Um, so yes, as far as we know, she is not trusting Christ. So we're praying for her salvation. Um, we've been able to have them into our home a couple of times, and we've also been able to go to their home and encourage her to come to church. And she always says she will, but she hasn't quite gotten up the boldness to. So we're just praying for that continued relationship. She's a very sweet girl, but at the same time, um, it's, it's hard in their home with Joffrey being excited about being the leader and being a part of this church and then not having her, her 
be a part of it. We can tell it it's hard on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pray for Joe, pray for the salvation of Nancy. That would go such a long way, obviously, right, in their marriage and home and things. And, and also with that, pray for this Faith in Jesus Baptist Church. It's um, a church that we, we go to the first Sunday of every month to maintain like a relationship and accountability with them, um, but not to like just take over. So because we only go the first Sunday, the handful of guys in the church rotate in preaching the other Sundays, which we've loved seeing. So it's a small church, a young church. We pray that it stands and that um, from their midst would come someone that, that uh, stands up as the leader, as the pastor. Okay. Okay, Ahmed Musa. We talked about him some this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Here we are at his home. Uh, like two kilometers from our house, we walked to his house. And here we are having tea. And something else. What else were we having there? Huh? Okay. Yeah. So pretty normal stuff. And behind him is his first wife, and she has, um, I almost said that the Ugandan way. I'll just say it the Ugandan way. She produced for him 10 kids. That's how they say it. Sorry, that's weird. Um, but uh, so they show, he stays there with this family most of the time and sometimes goes to, to his second wife for a day or one day a week or something like that is what he usually does. Uh, so that's the situation they're in. Uh, Musa, if you would please pray for Musa. I mentioned that thing about Alyssa being a, a person of peace. Well, here's the person of peace in the Muslim community. So he uh, has opened doors for us to see their world, their culture. He's invited me to pray in the mosque with him, which I don't do, but he did invite me to do that. Uh, to go to a Muslim wedding, which was a cultural experience. I'm not sure we do that again because it's an Islamic event. So I'm not sure we'll just want to keep doing that. But regardless, we've been able to see into their world quite a bit because of this, this person of peace. It was something like six months ago when um, the Lord laid on my heart to really kind of confront Musa with the gospel. Um, we'd known him for a year at that point, had many Bible studies together talking about the Bible. He's open to discussing, yet strongly uh, Muslim will just really reject anything in the Bible that, that claims Christ Jesus is the Christ. Um, however, he also claims, and most Muslims there do, that um, they love the Bible. They love the Quran and the Bible. They love them both. Uh, which I'm thinking, okay, we can run with that. There's no way that's really possible, but we can work with that as long as you think it and study the Bible together, right? So uh, about six months ago is when the Lord laid on my heart to just really confront him with the gospel. I was kind of nervous about it because I thought this could go south, you know. When I went to him, we sat down and um, said some things like, hey, I'm really concerned about you and what you're doing with Jesus. If you die today, I'm really concerned about where you're going. And what you're doing with Jesus is contrary to the Bible. And uh, he sat there. I just <laughs> remember he sat there, and he kind of looked at the ground. And uh, he kind of looked at the ground and looked back up, and he said, I'm ready. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he says, I'm ready to get a Bible and study it for myself. And I said, okay, we can do that. And he said, let's go to your house right now and get a Bible. 
And I said, well, I don't have one at my house, but there's a bookstore, that bookstore in town that we can drive to, so we can drive there and I'd like to buy you one, you know? And he said, okay, so we went, and uh, is there a picture? No, there's not. Um, and got him a Bible. And the time after that, that we went to his house, right? After we gotten him a Bible, we showed up, and he had his Bible and had these like little pieces of grass stuck in like a whole bunch of pages, and and all these questions that he had found reading. So I was I was really I was pumped about that. I thought, wow, this is this guy is seeking. So he's a Muslim right now. He's 100% Muslim, but I really believe the Holy Spirit is working in his heart. Once again, nothing but the Holy Spirit's going to see this man turn from his, what he's so committed to in Islam. But, um, but if you pray for him, that's how this man's going to be saved. So. He's, a, he's a seeker. I've mentioned those things. Okay, so there's a lot that can be said about him. Anything else that's coming to mind with his, him and his family? Okay, it's been a, a neat open door. Um, here's something. So... Uh, like one month ago, one month ago, it was like five o'clock, we were about ready to eat dinner at home, at home, and Musa calls me and says, hey, can you come to my friend's house for a Bible study? And I said, yeah, when, when do you want to do that? And he said, like, right now. I said, okay, maybe give me like 15 minutes, you know, so, so we, I get up and go, and he took me to this home where there was like two other Muslim leaders. The next person we talk about will be one of those. And uh, again, he had his Bible open and had a bunch of markings in there. And he opened, he opened to John 14. And I'm thinking, man, if you like, don't want to believe Jesus is God, pick something else. You know? Like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. You know? And he's like, hey, John 14, I found Muhammad. And I was like, okay, let's go, you know. And he had these other friends. So that was a pretty neat Bible study. It was kind of, it, I felt like it was like they were ganging up on me. It wasn't the greatest uh, outcome. But regardless, we interacted with the scripture. I hope they saw the scripture. Anyway, um, but you can see, he's a seeker, right? So that little green bag is Marungi, if you want to look that up online. Marungi. It's a drug. All the Muslim guys chew this drug. I do not. So. Okay, one of these guys, actually, you see this guy's hands? I should have gotten a better picture here. The guy's hands on the right side of the screen is Abdul Ghulam. Abdul Ghulam is from, oh, what is, where is he from? What's that country? Middle East. Yemen. He's from Yemen. Anyway, his parents came from Yemen, migrated into Africa. Uh, he's mo he's had like half Lugbara. He's really a Lugbara guy, but he came from Yemen. Um, he's a brand new relationship. This happened a month ago, but really an open door. He, I mean, he reminds, reminds me so much of Musa. He said, look, um, he said, I see you're a Bible teacher. I really want to learn from you, but you need to also be willing to learn from me. I said, okay, I'm going to work with that. <laughs> so anyway, pray for this relationship and, uh, and his family. He texted me a week ago while we were here in the U.S. and said, you know, we'd like to feed you guys a Ugandan meal when you come back or something like that. Um, so we're looking forward to that. And it's just another open door where I thought, wow, if we can be praying for this as, as um, 
as a church, then I think we could really see God work in his heart. So I'm excited. I mean, we're really excited about this family. He also has two wives, many children. So the ripple effects of guys like this getting saved would just be power. But I'll be honest with you, it's something we've never seen. Never seen a Muslim, an African Muslim, turn to Christ. So it's a a step of faith, and I hope someday we can send a letter saying we've seen one saved. (laughs) Quarter that day. Okay, last Muslim guy. This is the third and last. Agobi. Agobi means pumpkin leaf. Random fact. Um, One of the events that Musa invited me to was this one. Sat down and ate with these guys. And there's something about uh, Ugandans where when you eat with them, it's incredibly meaningful, much more than it is in our culture. Um, I was not sure what Agobi thought of me being there. I honestly thought he was having a cold shoulder. He's the imam, he's the preacher of the mosque. Um, But we sat there and ate, and when we finished, he said, thank you for eating with us. I'd like you to come to my home and on Wednesday and we can we can do a Bible study. So I said, okay, we can do that. So he has, I know it's just like the same story every time, big home, multiple wives, many people. Um, he, he's an older man, so he has grown children, grandkids, on and on, all in one big patrilocal home. And we've been going to him every Wednesday. So if you pray for Agobi, also not saved, someone who I suppose would also be a person of peace. He does not speak English. This is that he was actually the first person that we ever did a exclusively Luke Barr Bible study with. Um, it, it went okay. We could, you know, we tried to keep it simple so we didn't uh, get into any heresy or anything. <laughs> but anyway, it was, we were able to do it in Luke Barra. So that's a Gobi. He's the imam. Oh, here's another picture of his home. You can tell which child is ours in this picture. Okay, two last prayer requests, and then we'll be finished with that, and we can uh, do questions with whatever, with whatever time we have. Um, here we are in this picture by Pastor Phineas's church. So we met Pastor Phineas, the short pastor on the border of the Congo. Uh, this man in the middle is called Christopher. That's how they say it. Christopher is from Agoi Falls, walked two hours to get to church. Excuse me, he um, explained to me and already had communicated with Pastor Phineas that, look, um, I walked two hours. There's people in my village that I would love to hear the gospel. Would you help me, help me get the gospel to my village? So what more can you ask for with that and that, right? So we're pretty excited um, and would like to, in the near future, I'm not sure exactly when, begin actively, <coughs> excuse me, actively pursuing evangelism in this village of Agoi Falls. So if you pray for Christopher, pray for that open door uh, by, way of, by way of him and his heart. And uh, the best, very best picture would be us partnering with Pastor Phineas so that Pastor Phineas Church can plant that church in Agoi Falls and, and use it as like a model to say, hey, churches can plant churches. We can get the gospel to this place. <coughs> okay. Last, last, here's our last slide. Um, I mentioned two times the person of peace concept, Musa and also um, Elissa. 
Um, north of our people group, you can see in the bottom of the, that uh, root is Arua. We live there. Like that marker was, I'm, I did that while I was at home. It's from our home. Okay, so from home to Yumbe is what? Something like, an, I would be, it would be less than that. It's like an hour and a half at the most. And Yumbe is a people group of 600,000 people <coughs> that are almost completely Muslim. If I go there and speak Lugbara, they can understand me. So the language is so close. If they speak, it's a little different. It's hard for me to understand. Hopefully we could get better at it. But we're praying really specifically that we could find a, perfect, a person of peace among the Aringa people in Yumbe. So we don't really have that yet. But it would be important. Like right now, if we just drove up and walked into a village, it would be like, you know, kind of square one. My name's Joe. I want to teach you the Bible. Maybe there's a time and a place for that, but if there's a person of peace, someone that we could go with that we would see turn to Christ, that'd be powerful. So we're praying about that, that God would do, do that work. Okay, I'll stop there. I feel like I went kind of long with that. But um, hopefully that's helpful in, in praying for these people and, and some, some specific things. You know, many times, I'll, I'll say this and then stop. How many times are we going to say that? Okay, I'll say this and then stop. Um, many times on furlough, missionaries have a need to say, look, here's what we've done, here's our vision, here's the high-level goal, and that's good. I'm sure we'll do that on furlough as well, but beneath the surface of all that vision and direction is just souls, right? individual people, guys named Sunday and David and Susan and whatever. Um, so this is it, down-to-earth, down-to-earth stuff, and um, appreciate your prayers. So, okay, Pastor uh, Stephen, how late, how late should we go with this, or should we stop now? Let's go 10 minutes Okay. If you have questions for my wife, she's probably better at answering them, or for me. Then go for it. Yes, sir? Sure, yeah, no, that's a, good, that's a good point. It really is very cultural. Um, and uh, when a father dies, he, he actually designates one of his sons to lead the home. So they're a patch of local culture, so when your sons marry, you go like on that side of the yard and build a hut, and then all around the father's home are the huts of the sons. So. When Alyssa's father died, Alyssa had so many brothers, and Alyssa was maybe the oldest or the most mature, I don't know, but for some reason the father chose Alyssa to be the leader. And then Alyssa has many brothers that have sons, that have grandkids, and it turns into this village, right? So Alyssa kind of became the leader that way. I asked him once, I said, hey, so if, when you pass away, which one of your sons is gonna be the leader? <laughs> I'm not sure that's really a culturally appropriate thing to ask. I was just curious. And he's like, yeah, we haven't decided, you know. So he said, I, I, said, I said, I would vote for this certain one. I just threw that out there. I'm not sure that was a great idea to say that either. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And it gets so much bigger than we see as family. I mean, they have a more... Yeah, they're, they're more, they're more uh, connected to their family and, than, than we are. So 
I mean, he has the the son, the son of your of your um, father's brother, so a cousin. They just call brother. It's the same word in Lugbara. So, because they they treat them absolutely equally, cousins and brothers are completely equal. Where in our culture, it's more like, well, you know, your brother and your cousin is kind of different in terms of you know relationship. Oftentimes. Um, there, they're just all the same. All they're all related. They're all a village. They look out for each other. Readily help each other. Anyway, so hopefully that kind of. Oh, believe me, I've asked that question. Yes, and um, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, basically, we've, we've studied language together, and often what I've done is taken Bible verses to him and said, hey, help me understand this, you know, grammatically, in terms of language. And then once I understand it, I'll say, so, like, what does this verse mean to you? You know, like, various pointed salvation verses and tried to subtly share the gospel with him. Um, but if you pray for us with that, because, no, it's true. If, if we cross the line or something, we might have to move. So we have shared the gospel with them. We do hope they accept Christ. But there is some level of, like, yeah, I'm part of the village. So anyway, it's an interesting thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Um, the shoe salesman thinks unique. Uh, most people just dig, as they say, grow gardens. So there's some funny statistic, like 89% of Ugandans work in self-employed agriculture. In other words, grow your own food and eat it and sell some of it type of thing. So almost everyone, like, like this list. Alyssa, Alyssa does all kinds of gardens. Um, Ronnie is a village guy. He does gardens. Um, Phineas, he's a peanut grower like crazy. Um, David likes to grow corn and sell it. Who else? Um, yeah, so you get the idea. Here's Lindsay helping them with their corn. So Sunday and Susan, Sunday and Susan, they do the shoe sell, uh, selling, but he still goes to the village and plants as well. So honestly, sometimes I'm surprised how well they do gardening. They can they can work hard and get ahead. I'm not saying they're wealthy, but yeah. How did we get it? We're renting. Yep, it is um, here where we can see if I can find it. Where can I not find it? Oh, this picture. That's our house in the background. The pink wall, the pinkish uh, security wall. Yeah, so we're renting it. We're content to rent. Um, there's some situations where buying a house is good or building a house is good, but um, for us, we, we really find it uh, practical to just rent. So. Yeah. 
He does not. He sold the land to somebody who built, and then we rent from that guy. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, no, that's a good question. So, all right, other questions, Ethan? Want to talk about that? That's a really good question, and they they don't uh, name their kids based off of what it sounds like. It's based on meanings. Their name meanings are very important, and it's kind of sad. Sometimes we'll meet somebody and we'll ask them what their name is, and they'll say Chandiro, and that means sadness or um, betrayal, or it's like this. And then you ask them about their story and you realize that their mom named them based on what they were experiencing at the time. So, um, Joffrey's Lugbar name, you could tell the story better of Joffrey's Lugbar name, but yeah, so they have, like Mungofeni, I didn't say that this morning, but his name means given of God. So they're, all of their names have a meaning, and you'll meet a lot of people that have the same name, but I don't think it's based on how it sounds at all. <laughs> no. It's like the, you know, the, the, I think it's okay to say this. The old time, like, American Indian way of, like, running deer, right, whatever, whatever you see at the time, for them it's, like, whatever they're annoyed by. <laughs> Okuonzi, I'm the bad wife. Like, Angoyo, I need more land. I have no land. Um, Aibaku, no one's helping me. Um, Anibe, people are backbiting me. Uh, let's see, what else? Anyway, those are the ones that come to mind. So there, sometimes, there's also sometimes we'll say, oh, what's too. your name? Sometimes, sometimes we'll say, oh, you know, Mirudi, and they'll answer, they'll tell, they'll tell me their name. And I'm like, oh, sorry, man, you know, you should change that. <laughs> but we were telling Pastor and his wife at lunchtime, a lot of times it's even the village that names kids for, for you. So sometimes the mother will name but also, many times, that's why we've been asked, oh, give our child a name. A lot of times, the village, the parents don't name, but the village will give the name, too. All right. Hey, thanks for being patient. I feel like it kind of took a long time talking through that, but um, enjoyed sharing those things about these people. So we'll close with that. Pastor Stephen, you need to come? Okay. All right.